The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, David Williams. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. I'm here. It's kind of a post game, but I've got to be honest with you. I'm not going to talk about last night's game too much because if you watched it, it was an absolute train wreck, and you know there's not a whole lot to talk about. If you didn't watch it, save yourself some time and don't. You're going to be disappointed. It's hard to say that this was the worst played game of the season so far because they looked awful in Portland. But I got to be honest, th- this was the worst played game of the season. Uh, final score of the game, Miami Heat 129, Memphis Grizzlies 103. Bright spots in the game, Desmond Bain continues to play well. De'Anthony Melton had a game, wasn't great, wasn't terrible. Inconsistencies with him, we talked about it. He was 6 for 12 from the field, 4 for 7 from 3, scored 20 points. John Morant put up another 20, you know, there are positives. There are plenty of positive things that we can look at and we can take from this game and we can build off of them as fans of the game. There's things that can make you happy from watching this game. But overall, watching this game, you're going to be ticked off because there was just not not a ton of positive. What I'm not going to do this time around, I'm not going to sit here and completely crap on the Grizzlies like I did after that Portland game. I hate recording podcasts like that. It's not fun. It's not fun for you guys to listen to. It's not fun for me to record. It's just zero fun. So here we are, six games into the season. Grizzlies are 3-3 three and three after this horrible loss to the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat killed it, made 21 of 37 threes, shot 57%. Are they just that good from the three-point line? Nope. The Grizzlies' defense was just that bad. The perimeter defense has been awful all year long. Is Dylan Brooks going to come back and magically fix it? No. He is absolutely not going to do that. Is he going to fix some of it? Sure, he will. But the bottom line is the Grizzlies have to get better at perimeter defense. Allowing them to shoot 57% from three you are not going to win those games. You're not. Grizzlies were 16 for 50. They made 16 threes themselves, which is a decent number. They didn't shoot it at a high clip. But you allow the opposing team to shoot 56.8% from three, that's an L. 100 times out of 100, you're losing that game. And that's it. That's all I'm talking I'm I'm done talking about this game. We're moving on. Next game is Monday night. They got a back-to-back. It's, well, two games in a row here at home against the Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic was banged up a little bit. He did play in their last game, so I fully expect him to play both games in Memphis. They're going to travel to Memphis, play game one Monday night. Then they're off Tuesday. They play again on Wednesday. So we're going to get a full dose of the Joker. I'm not scared of the Nuggets for a couple of reasons. Number one, Jamal Murray is going to be out probably the majority of the season, but also Michael Porter Jr. has been playing like a bucket load of butt early in the season. If you've watched any Nuggets game, you have watched him struggle from the field. He's not shooting the ball well. He's still getting up as many attempts as what he did last season, but things are just not falling for him. 
I don't know if it's because maybe he was not in shape coming into the season. I don't know if may, there is a possibility that it's lingering back issues. MPJ fell so far in the draft because of back issues, and they were worried that he was not ever going to be healthy. The Nuggets had time. They could set on him, rehab, and get him healthy, and it's panned out pretty good for him so far. But you got to wonder if that's not what's causing him to play so bad. Some other guys on that team have played well. But I think that the Grizzlies can definitely win. They can beat this team. They just have to show up. The effort and the way that they played against the Heat and against the Trailblazers, if they come out in these games like that, they're going to get drilled. If they come out the way that they did in, say, the Golden State game, they played well in that game, played well in the Clippers game, Got to have more energy. They have to play better perimeter defense. And I I didn't look it up. I don't know what their career numbers are for Steven Adams against Jokic. But I'm not afraid of that defensive matchup. Not at all. Things have been rough for the Grizzlies. People are missing JV. Rightfully so. JV is in New Orleans, and he's carrying that team right now. Carrying them to a crappy record. They're one in five, two in five, something of that nature. I don't know what it is. I don't keep up with the Pelicans record because, let's be honest, I don't freaking like them. <laughs> so I don't know what the record is. I know it's garbage. It's worse than the Grizzlies. And they have lost to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. But JV is playing well. So some fans are missing him. If you're one of the fans that happen to be missing JV, I understand. I, I get it. But this Grizzlies team was never going to reach their true ceiling with JV on this roster. And so while it sucks to lose somebody like that and it sucks to see him prosper somewhere else, it really was, in the long run, what's best for this team. So now, what we're going to do, we're going to move on to a hot topic that we're six games into the season and it's major... Major, major, major overreaction time. And I'm sure that, you know, if you're a Grizz fan and you're on Grizzlies Twitter, you know where we're going with this. We're going to talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. And he signed this quote-unquote, air quotes, big contract, which is not really that big. $100 million is a lot of money. Let's get that straight. Right off the, right off the bat, $100 million is a lot of money. But in terms of NBA contract and the type of money that stars are getting, $100 million is not that much. Jaron Jackson Jr. can easily earn this contract, even though a lot of you guys are out here with the pitchforks. It blows my freaking mind. I don't get it. Why do we have to overreact to everything? We were doing this same thing last year with Dylan Brooks when Dylan Brooks would go out on the offensive end and he would have a bad night shooting because he had to shoot. It was, oh, get DB out of here. He's trash. He's garbage. And I watched a ton of you guys just crap on him and crap on him and crap on him. And I'm over here preaching, listen, yeah, he's shooting the ball and he's making some mistakes, but he helps this team win. And now we're seeing that. We saw that in the playoffs. It changed. 
as the season progressed and people began to see what Dylan Brooks brought to this team and what he was able to do, the pitchforks went away. Now he's not here, and I see a lot of people, a lot of Grizz fans on Twitter. Oh, my God, I miss Dylan Brooks. I'll be so ready for him to be back. I'm with you. I want to see him back. I cannot wait for DB to get back because this defense cannot get any worse. We are last year's Sacramento Kings defense at this point throughout three quarters of the season, which was on a historically awful pace, and the Grizzlies are doing some of the same crap. You cannot play perimeter defense the way that they've been playing and expect to win ball games, and you're damn sure not going to beat a good team playing perimeter defense like that. And the Miami Heat proved that last night when they kicked the crap out of the Grizzlies at the FedEx Forum. So I went off on a little bit of a trail there, but let's get back to Jaron Jackson Jr. Let's talk about the number of games played for Jaron Jackson Jr., Let's talk about it. You you guys are like, it's season four. He should be doing this, or he should be doing that. He should be 20 and 10. He should be, no, no, he shouldn't. He's played 132 games, 132 games. Yes, he's been in the league for four years, and yes, I know working with those trainers and doing those things are going to help improve his game. But let's talk about these numbers. I got told tonight, oh, you don't have any stats on, on your side. You're just eye-testing it. So I brought some stats for you right here to the podcast. And if you don't believe me, you can look them up yourself. I'm fine with that. If you find anywhere where I made a mistake, we can have a conversation about it. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about some all-time great players and their first 125 games compared to Jaron Jackson Jr. and his first 125 games. The first player, and I'm not going to give you any names. I'm going to talk about these stats, and then we'll go back, and I'll let you know who each player is. But I want you guys to look me in my face and tell me that you're going to get rid of this player after I tell you who it is. First 125 games for this Hall of Fame player, 14.2 points, 5.3 rebounds, 2 assists, 0.7 blocks, 0.7 steals. Not good numbers. Not good numbers at all. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s first 125 games, 15.5 points, 4.7 rebounds, 1.2 assists, 0.8 steals, 1.5 blocks. Pretty comparable. Jaron scores a little more. This guy rebounds slightly more. The sister close. Defensive stats go favor to Jaron. That's a Hall of Fame player stats. That was Dirk. And his first 125 game, Dirk Nowitzki's first 125 games, his stats are comparable to Jaron Jackson Jr. Are you you got your pitchforks out? Are are you ready to cut Dirk, get him off the team, say that he's overpaid for a guy that finished his career averaging 21 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, 2.4 assists, a block and a steal, easy Hall of Famer. You're going gonna to toss him off the team because he started his first 125 games with those kind of numbers? No, you're not. You're not going to do it. Player number two, I'm actually going to save him. I'm not using him. as. Let's, we're going with a different player. Player number two, and I'll give you Jaron's stats again, 13.1 points, 7.8 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 1.4 blocks, 0.9 steals. 
Jaron's numbers again, 15.5 points, 4.7 rebounds. Rebounds go to player A by a wide margin. I'll give you that one. The assists are .1 apart, which is literally no difference. And the defensive stats are almost identical. Almost identical. .9 steals, .8 steals for Jaron. 1.4 blocks for this guy, 1.5 for Jaron. Multi-time NBA champion Chris Bosh. His first 125 games. You're going to sit there and tell me you don't want peak Chris Bosh on your team? Get out of my face, bro. Get out of my face. You've got to reel it back. We're six games into the season. Jaron has had injuries, and and I've had I've talked about the, the injuries before. If you want to have issues with Jaron Jackson and his injuries, I get that. I understand that that's something to be concerned about, and I understand if that makes you hesitant to give him the type of contract that he got. But what we have to do, what we've got to do, is we have to separate players. Jaron Jackson is not John Morant. Kevin Durant hit the league running from pretty much day one in his rookie season. Kevin Durant came out, and he was killing it. I've made comparisons between Jaron Jackson and Kevin Durant before. But the thing is, the, the, the biggest difference between those two is obviously, you know, Durant's multi, you know, MVP, multi-time champion, finals MVP. You all know that. If, you're, if this is your first time listening to the show, I appreciate you tuning in. Generally, we talk a little bit more about the game. But, but I've got to talk about this. This is important stuff. This is stuff that Grizz Nation is talking about, and it has to be addressed. It's got to be addressed. You can get the show on Twitter at HoopBallGrizz. I'm at DWill2111. My co-host, Isaac, he's not with me tonight. He will be back for our next show. He is at Isaac underscore Rivals. But we, we, we've got to talk about stuff like this. Because what are you doing to yourself if you're sitting here and you're watching what Jaron is doing and you're just like hammering on this kid. and ha- He's 22 years old. He's not even close to hitting his peak yet. Well, he's a seven-footer and he doesn't rebound. His rebounds are up. The one game that he's had foul trouble this year and it cost him minutes, you remove that one game from the stats and his rebounds are up a full rebound over what his career high is. That's still not high enough. We still need to see that number get higher. And you can't just like cherry pick and pull stuff out. I get that. That game happens. So it doesn't look like his rebounding has improved. But if you've watched any games, you see that his rebounding has gotten better. And something else you have to consider when you're talking about rebounding with Jaron Jackson Jr. is the guys that he was playing with throughout the first part of his career. JV is a freaking vacuum down there whenever it comes to rebound. There were not many guys. I I would venture to say that there were probably less than 15 guys in the NBA that averaged double-digit rebounds last year. It's not an easy task. It's definitely not. JV is one of the best rebounders in the league. You've got to consider that. So we talked about Dirk, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 0.7 blocks, 0.7 steals compared to Jaron. 
15 points, 4.7 rebounds, 1.2 assists, 0.8 steals, 1.5 blocks. Talk about Dirk. We talked about Chris Bosh. Player number three, 12.6 points, 7 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 2 blocks, 1.3 steals. Some things in there clearly better than what Jaron's doing, but still a comparable stat line. 12.6 points, 7 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 2 blocks, 1.3 steals. Jaron's at 15.5, 4.7 rebounds, big gap in the rebounds, a little bit of a gap in the assist favoring player A, and then the defensive stats favor player A. So player A is slightly better. Jaron scores the ball a little bit better than player A. But still not out of the realm of possibilities of comparison because everything is fairly close there. And this one, player A in the conversation, player number three that we've talked about, this is Kevin Garnett in his first 125 games. I found all these stats on StatMuse. You can go and double-check me. I'm not just making stuff up. I'm not just pulling it out of my butt. But I want to get this point across that this stuff that we're doing with Jaron is madness, man. It's absolute madness. You cannot keep beating this 22-year-old kid up. It's insane. He is the future of this franchise. He, he has to be, in order for the Grizzlies to get us that parade on Bill Street, we need Jaron Jackson Jr. to be good. And I don't think some of you guys are interested in Jaron Jackson Jr. being good. You're more interested in bashing the crap out of him. What are we doing? What are we doing? Really? Last player. The last comparison. And then I'm going to get, I'm like, th- th- this is not going to be a, a super long episode because I can't talk about that heat game. I It was freaking brutal to watch. There were so many things that made me want to throw my remote through my TV they played like a steaming pile of crap. They were awful in that game. And, you know, I felt great. When they started the season, I'm like, man, I missed on my, my win prediction. I whiffed. These guys are going to win 50 games this year. And then I watched the Portland game and this Miami game, and I'm like, oh, there's the youth that we didn't see early on. In those first couple games, we didn't see the youth. But we've seen it now. It's out there. And there's tape on it that I hope I don't ever have to watch again in my life outside of a couple highlights. Last player that I'm going to compare. First, again, all of these stats, all of these guys that I'm talking to you about, we talked about Dirk, we talked about Kevin Garnett, we talked about Chris Bosh. This last player, all of these stats, including the numbers that I'm giving you from Jaron, are through the first 125 games. This last player, first 125 games, 8.6 points, 5.1 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.9 blocks. Jaron Jackson, again, 15.5 points, 4.7 rebounds, 1.2 assists, 0.8 steals, 1.5 blocks. Jaron doubles their scoring. Rebounding is .4. Assists go favor to this other guy. Defensive stats to Jaron. So who are you taking? Do you want player A or do you want Jaron Jackson Jr.? And based off of the previous guys that we've listed in this conversation, I'm hoping right now that your answer is player A. 
because the rest of the guys that we've talked about are Hall of Famers. Those numbers that I just gave you, 8.6 points, 5.1 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.9 blocks, those numbers belong to none other than two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. NBA Finals champion, two-time MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo's first 125 games, 8.6 points, 5.1 rebounds, 2.1 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.9 blocks. Jaron Jackson Jr., 15.5, 4.7, 1.2, 0.8 steals, 1.5 blocks. So what does this mean? Does this mean that David is sitting here saying that Jaron is going to be better than Giannis? Nope. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is some guys take time to develop. And I could go through, I could find, I'm sure, many more, many more than these four guys and go through their stats and we can talk about it and Jaron's numbers are going to be comparable. And on the other hand, you can find plenty of guys that started their career they hit the ground running and their numbers are significantly better. But there's more than one path to superstardom. There's more than one path to the Hall of Fame. Not every Hall of Famer hit the ground day one killing it. These four guys that we've talked about right here, Giannis is obviously not there yet, but I don't see any way that he doesn't make it at this point. I guess there's still... Maybe there's an outside chance that he doesn't make it, but it's highly unlikely that he doesn't. I think two MVPs and a championship get you there. His numbers are good enough. Give Jaron Jackson Jr. some time. Is it okay to be upset when he does bad? Yeah, I hate it. He knows. I I promise you that he, above anybody else, knows that he has to do better. In order for this team to get to what we want to see them get to, and what their goals are, Jaron Jackson Jr. has to be better. He's still playing impactful basketball. He's still playing winning basketball. I gave you guys a stat in the last show as the difference, like the defensive rating for the Grizzlies with Jaron on the floor compared to him off of the floor. It's a 13-point difference. The defense is 13 points worse without Jaron on the floor. So even through all of these offensive struggles, even through everything else that we see from him that's driving us insane as fans and make it hard to watch because, holy crap, our franchise just gave this dude $100 million. Not that we own the franchise, but it's the franchise that we root for. They just paid this kid $100 million, and he's you know scoring 12 points a game this year. Give it time. Can you imagine if the Dallas Mavericks, after Dirk's first 125 games, would have just been like, nah, screw it. He's never going to get it. He's never going to put it together. What about Chris Bosh? Kevin Garnett? I mean, these guys, unbelievable players. All-time greats. All-time great players. Kevin Garnett and and Dirk are pretty well interchangeable for two, three as all-time best power forwards to ever play the game. 
the big fundamentals, number one, if you disagree, argue with your mama. Tim Duncan was the best power forward ever. I don't care what you got to say. Dirk and KG, two and three, depending on who you ask. For me, it's KG. That was my guy growing up. But I, I wanted to have this discussion, and I realized that we just had a, a 25, almost 30-minute show here of nothing but Jaron Jackson Jr. talk. But by God, this is a Memphis Grizzlies podcast, and that's what we do. We talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, baby. And so if you don't like it, I, I appreciate you listening. Thanks for tuning in. Well, we're going to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies here. Give me time. How much time? Where, where is that line? It's different for everybody. Again, some guys hit the ground running. Some guys take a few years to get going. He's been in the league for four years, but he's played 132 games. Through his first 125, he's right in line with four very, very, very high-quality Hall of Fame players. Three, three Hall of Famers and one that's essentially a lock to get there. I'd sure hate for this franchise to give up on a guy that, it, that has that much upside because he struggled through his first 125 games. And they haven't. They wouldn't have given him this contract. Zach Kleiman, the ownership, the front office, you know, Tayshon, th- th- these guys believe in him. And, man, as a Grizzlies fan, if you watched him in the bubble, how do you not how do you not believe in him after watching what he was capable of in the bubble? If you were in the FedEx Forum the night that they played the the Bucks, it was Milwaukee when Jaron scored like I think twenty seven in one quarter. This kid is going to be good. This kid, he's going to be better than good. He's going to be incredible, and you can hold me to it. You can write it down. It's it's Halloween. It's December or December. Man, I'm rushing the clock. It's October 31st, 2021. At around 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. And I'm sitting here on this podcast telling you that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be incredible. We've got to give him time. I can't tell you where that line is. I don't know. You know, if he plays through this season and he's healthy... And then we go into next year and we're still seeing the same struggles, the same thing over and over and over again. Then maybe we can have the conversation about something's going on. He's not right. And this is not the fit. But for this entire season, he's got it for me. Some of these guys put it together at about the 140 game mark, some 150. And then some further out than that. Julius Randle had the best year of his career last year. He's been in the NBA for seven years. Julius Randle had all-star numbers last year for the New York Knicks. Teams gave up on him, and he found a place and a system and a coaching staff that believed in him and put him in a position to succeed, and he done just that. This coaching staff is going to put Jaron in a place to succeed, and he's going to do that. And there's going to be a lot of people out here. And I have receipts. I'm going to call you out 
whenever he turns this around. And if I'm wrong, I'll eat it, man. I'll eat it. Bring it. I'll eat the crow. I'm completely fine. If, if I end up being wrong, I end up being wrong. But you are not going to break my will whenever it comes to what I believe about Jaron Jackson. A seven-footer that can shoot the ball outside, that can handle the ball, that can create separation on his own. He's a good defender. There's things that he has to fix. He's 22 years old. Those things will get better. But you're not going to break my will. You're not going to change my mind and make me think that Jaron Jackson is not going to turn out to be anything other than great. I hope that some of these numbers that I brought up gives you a little perspective of other greats that have struggled in the beginning. And they were able to figure it out. They were able to put it together. And it ended really well for every single one of these guys. Every one of them. So I'm going to get out of here. Like I said, we, we, we had about a 30-minute show here of basically Jaron Jackson talk. We'll be back with post-game shows. Um, We're not going to get one in tomorrow night. We may get one in Wednesday. If not, you'll hear from us Thursday. We will be back to talk more Grizzlies and a little bit less Jaron Jackson. Until then, if you want to chat, I'm on Twitter at DWill2111. The show is at HoopBallGrizz. Isaac is at Isaac underscore Rivals. We'll have a conversation. We enjoy conversation on Twitter. We, we we get in, we engage quite a bit. And so if you want to get at me about this Jaron Jackson conversation, let's go. I You know, I, I was told I don't have stats, and I've got stats right here. So you, you can't argue with them. I got them right here in front of me. Come at me, bro. Let's see it. So thanks for tuning in. I'm going to talk to you about our sponsors here at HootBall. We, we appreciate them, Manscaped.com. We still got our promo code going on. It's HootBall20 at Manscaped. It's 20% off and free shipping for anything that you get from them. Some of the best man care products on the market. The Skin Safe technology prevents you from pinching wherever you're shaving. It will clean you up good. You can line yourself up. Got your LED. If you want to shave in the shower, you can do that as well. Lawnmower 4.0. They got a nose and ear hair trimmer. I don't have to deal with that yet. I think that comes when you're older. I have no idea. I hope not. That's a little bit weird. But they got it if you need it. Sorry, I called you weird if you need the the, uh, nose and ear hair trimmer. It is what it is. Manscaped.com. Go over there. They got all kinds of stuff. For men care products, use our promo code HOOPBALL20. Get 20% off and free shipping. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, go Grizz. This has been a HoopBall presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.